Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. It's going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations, I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Uh, today, I know I told you we would have a guest. Um, I can't control other people's schedules, uh, unfortunately, and that's a poor excuse on my end. I should be able to have people on, but uh, we had another cancellation within the week, and that sucks. I do have somebody else uh, that is seems to be a lot more responsive, uh, willing to come on, so... Um, hopefully we'll get one the next week after that. And I'm going to start hitting guests hard, uh, trying to get some more people on, uh, in this month, right before I have a kid, I really want to make the episodes, uh, while I'm gone worth something. And I want to get this thing started back up again. I don't think, uh, I've done anybody any justice by kind of laying off the gas pedal. I had other things going on, but it is what it is. So, uh, I promise we will have, uh, a better performance in this uh this year of 2024 it will happen so um aside from that i do actually have kind of a cool episode that i uh i think it's going to be a cool episode um many of you might remember about a year ago we haven't had him on in a while and maybe i need to get him back on uh at some point he was really busy there for a long time and it's winter so uh i should hit him back up because uh, he may not be quite as busy uh but clint walker was on the podcast um quite a bit last year and like I said, I'll probably try to have him back on again soon. Um, but he posted, I keep up with him on Instagram. He and I don't talk just a whole lot, but he posted a uh, a cool little kind of a meme, just text on his Instagram. And it says, men who are over 30, give one piece of advice to men who are in their 20s. It can be about anything. And as a man in my 20s, uh, I obviously was interested in this, especially because I have a podcast like this and I like to see what other people have to say. Um, whether it agrees with my opinions or challenges them. Uh, I wanted to scroll through the comments and see what people had. And I had, when I was thinking about this episode about 20 minutes ago, when I realized that I had to record solo again, <laughs> um, when I was thinking about this, uh, I was going to find three that I didn't like and then three that I really liked. And honestly, scrolling through there, it was it was very hard to find three that I didn't like. I mean, there was... Uh, let's see, especially, oh, sorry for the yawn, uh, especially like three different pieces of advice. Like I could find three of the same piece of advice, uh, written different ways, uh, three of those comments, but like different pieces of advice that I didn't like. It was actually a really good column, a uh, really good set of, uh, comments to scroll through. So I've got one, two, three, four, five pieces of advice that I actually really liked. And then two that I didn't. Um, I'm not going to like put ats in there because like none of these people are uh, super big uh, accounts or anything like that. Um, so I'm not just going to like straight put them on blast, especially if I didn't like their their uh, their commentary. So we're just going to discuss the comments at hand. Um, you can go and find these comments. It's not like I'm plagiarizing. They are somebody else's. So. Uh, you can go to that post and find them. I don't think Clint's private. So, um, anyway, 
Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. I'll start with the ones that I didn't like because I want to put more emphasis on the ones that I do. Uh, number one, this one really hurt. It was, uh, it's actually, it may not be for you because I think Instagram kind of sorts the comments uh, based on who you follow. So like if there's somebody uh, big that you follow that commented on that page, then uh, it'll put them at the top. So it may not be the top comment for y'all, but it was the top comment for me. And this is uh, my absolute favorite Instagram page ever. Uh, and unfortunately, he has a bad take here. But he says, uh, stop doing deadlifts. He says he knows that deadlifts and competitive sports and stuff like that are fun, but you should stop doing them after 30 uh, because it's not worth it on your body. Highly disagree. Uh, now, I'm not 30 yet, and I'm not old. Um, so if I get up to 50, <laughs> who knows what my opinion will be at that point. <laughs> Sorry for the yawning. Um, but... I, uh, one of the things that I've talked about a lot, uh, when I talk about CrossFit is the, is the people that are older, you know, fifties, sixties in there, absolutely getting after it, doing deadlifts, doing snatches, doing cleans. And, uh, they're some of the most healthy people I know. Some of the most active people I know, and probably going to live, uh, the longest out of a lot of, <laughs> out of a lot of us. So, uh, I just straight up have to disagree with that. Uh, do your deadlifts, go do your, uh, Competitive sports stuff, uh, go get after it. Uh, use your body or lose it. Uh, you know, use it or lose it is uh, very true with, with the human body, I believe. So, uh, and then the last one is, let me go find that. Uh, this guy, like I said, he, he's not a big account, so I'm not going to add him. Um, I'm not going to mention his name in here, but it says, don't have kids, enjoy life. Uh, not saying kids are a bad thing, but once you have kids... Uh, your life is going to change and you can't worry just about yourself anymore. Uh, learn to trade and start making money by the time you're 30. If you play your cards right, you'll be set. Uh, also surround yourself with positive people who will push you to do better. So I actually do like parts of this. Um, the one thing that I don't like, this was kind of how hard it was to find uh, find comments that I didn't like. There was, there was a couple, but uh, this one... The, the main point of the comment is to uh, only worry about yourself until you're 30. And I don't like that. Um, I have had thoughts like that before when I was like 19, 20, um, where I was like, man, I just want to go and pursue, you know, selfish endeavors uh, until I'm, you know, a millionaire at 40 or whatever. Um, yeah, I had my, you know, wife. I've been with DLN since I was 16, but I just wanted it to be us and, and us forever until I was a millionaire. And uh, to me, that was a very kind of sad place for me to be. Um, not living a life of, of kind of service to either, you know, DLN or uh, the children that we're going to have uh, was not nearly as fulfilling. And I feel like a lot of people, the people that I know that have put things off like that until they're 30 uh, for those selfish reasons are never quite as, uh, as happy as what uh, the people that, you know, get married and have kids. Let me put it this way. They're not as fulfilled. I don't think as people who do things right, uh, you know, get a good job, don't have kids too early, but you know, as the people that go and get a decent job and get married young and have kids, those people always seem to be the most fulfilled to me. I know plenty of them. Uh, the people who intentionally wait uh, until they're 30 and, and try to pursue, you know, selfish desires that doesn't always work out for them. Not to say there's only one way to do it, uh, there are different timelines, and if you don't get married till you're 30, it's not saying that you're doomed for 
doomed for divorce and if you don't have kids until you're 35 it's not to say that you're you know doomed for a life of unhappiness that's not what i'm saying i've talked about this a lot on the one flesh podcast but uh i just don't like the notion that you should wait uh for selfish desires i don't think that's correct so let's uh get into the advice that i do like so uh this guy i really liked this one this was the first one that i i found that i liked it says uh not having a lot of time right now my first impulse is to tell young men and women to take chances in life Uh, do not be afraid of failing rather embrace the challenges of life and be daring most of our opportunities in life come to come to maybe come true only once uh and if we don't reach out and seize them they will pass by embrace the difficult learn from challenges embrace growth and the uncomfortable Uh, i like that a lot as many of you know, uh, I have taken some chances. I've played it safe quite a bit, you know. I'm, I mean, I went to West Texas A&M University, which is a very small school, and stayed in Amarillo, where uh, I did leave my main family. You know, my mom and my dad uh, left those guys um, down in Stephenville. I'm six hours away from them. So that was a bit of a chance, but uh, still came up to where I have family up here in Amarillo. Um, but... In 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 my experience, anytime I've taken a chance on a job or uh, starting a business or uh, the, the podcast or whatever it might be, uh, buy, buying a house, getting married, all of those things, uh, it's always it's always seemed to turn out better than I imagined the regret would have been. And there have been some situations where I haven't quite taken the chance that I thought I should have. That I'm like, man, I, I don't I don't have any regrets about my life, but it's like, I wonder what would have happened if I would have taken that chance and done this or, um, you know, taken the risk and actually uh, stayed, you know, active in football, uh, not not giving up because of my knees or whatever it might be. Um, the times that I haven't taken risks, uh, I look back and I'm like, yeah, probably could have taken it. it the, the, the risks always looking back were much less than what I thought they were uh, at, at the moment. Um, now that's not always true for like jobs, you know, you can put yourself in quite a bit of of risk. If you take a job that you hate or a job that's going to uh, really take up all your time or put you in a bad situation. But if it's a, uh, if you're smart about it, and you have done your due diligence and done your research, uh, most of the time taking risks like that, for me have always have always worked out. I say depends on what you mean by worked out. Uh, Not all the times have they been fruitful or uh, a success, but it's always been something that I've learned from extremely. And then most of the time, a transition to something better. So even if I took a job that wasn't as good as the last one, it was a transition to something that was better than the last one. I've always been moving up, even though if it was like moving up for a year, maybe down for half a year up for another year, maybe down for about a year. Um, those transition periods have always uh, forced me to learn, forced me to modify my attitude, modify my perspective, and to find a way to make my situation better. Uh, so I'm a big fan of taking risks. So especially uh, earlier in life, I think that it is it is kind of true. I think you can take risks all throughout your life, but it is kind of true, I think, to uh, inspire people to take risks earlier, you know, obviously have a family to feed and have more children coming. But 
that's not going to change at least for 18 years. So, um, might as well take that risk now. Um, because I have time to recuperate, you know, especially if we have three children, they're separated by a year. It's going to take what, at least 21 years, uh, for us to no longer have kids again. And we're still going to have kids. They're just going to be in college. Um, we're still going to need to help, you know, then we're going to have grandkids, all of those things. So to me, uh, taking risks, it, let me put it this way. I don't think it makes much difference right now, whether I take risks right now or in the future and, you know, taking a risk and having less money is easier when you have one kid than it is three. Um, it always seems to me, the the reward seems a lot better than the risk, um, by, putting myself out there and and uh, going and pursuing the things that I want to do, uh, like starting businesses, doing the podcast, all of those things, because worst case scenario, I have to rebuild, but it's going to be like that, whether I'm 30, 40, 50, or 20. So, like that, uh, let's see. This guy, uh, it says, aggressively accomplish tasks towards uh, your 60-year-old self's goals. Uh, it'll make those goals happen sooner than 60 and life will happen appropriately around these goals. I, I, I really do think this is true. Um, I've been kind of preaching this not only on the podcast, but talking about this with a lot of different friends of really trying to picture yourself and the life that you want, uh, when you are 60, um, many, many people get focused on that retirement age. What do we want life to look like at retirement age? Uh, maybe they want a couple acres of land and a nice house, nice car. Uh, those are not, those are things that you can absolutely get by the time that you're 30, uh, with a family, with a wife. Those are things that you can absolutely get by the time that you're 40. If you want a larger house, nicer cars, like these are things that people have proven time and time again, that you can get in your twenties, depending on how you, uh, how you work for it. So uh, to me, I've always, I've always looked at those goals and shortened that timeline and then tried to achieve them. Uh, you know, I, I don't really like to out what I make. I think I have before on the podcast. It, it doesn't much matter, but uh, I had a very aggressive goal uh, getting out of high school saying, I want to make uh, this amount of money by the time I'm 25. And that kind of money <laughs> when you're it's it's not just a whole lot, especially not for a lot of blue collar guys that, you know, work 80 hour weeks with overtime and, and whatnot. You know, there were guys that probably from my high school that were, uh, I'll just say it, it makes it easier, but $100,000. Uh, there were guys from my high school that probably went and worked in the oil fields or whatever um, and worked their butt off and probably hit $100,000 before they were 20 uh, in a year. Uh, I wanted to do it with a salary you know, 40 hours a week, have my life, all of that. I wanted my salary to be, um, a hundred thousand dollars by the time I was 25. And that was, I mean, just it's, it's aggressive. I mean, it it is really aggressive. I don't know many people at all who have, who have hit that, um, out of college and especially not in a 40 hour a week job and, you know, something, in a place with as low cost of living as what Amarillo is. Most of the people that I know that have hit that have had to travel a lot or they've had to live in a place like Midland, Odessa, um, you know, DFW at the very least, but their cost of living is insane. I wanted to do that by 25 uh, and, and do it the way that I wanted to do it. So 40 hours a week, not 
sacrificing myself and traveling all over the country uh, to earn that kind of money. And again, that's very aggressive. And when I would tell people that, people would kind of laugh, you know, they would chuckle and <laughs> um, they would oftentimes kind of like, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool goal, kid, you know, um, not necessarily put me off. And some people told me, yeah, you can absolutely do that. Some people told me, yeah, you can do that, but you're going to have to try, you're going to have to give up on this whole, you know, and it's not like I don't work overtime. I do work overtime. I go in early. I stay late. It's, it's not like I'm, you know, uh, lazy at my job, but, um, I'm not working 70, 80 hours a week. And a lot of people were like, yeah, you can do that by the time you're 25, but you're going to work 60, 70 hour, 80 weeks, you know, 80 hour weeks. Um, I was able to do it and I was able to do it before I was 24. And it's because I had that aggressive timeline and I was constantly taking those risks. And, you know, a lot of people don't make, it's not bad. You can have your, how do I put this? You don't have to, you don't have to make a hundred thousand dollars ever in your life to, to truly be a millionaire, like a year. Like it's, it's kind of arbitrary. Like what you make a year, uh, as opposed with what you do with your money is, is kind of arbitrary. If you make a hundred thousand dollars, but you spend a hundred thousand dollars of it in a year, uh, that doesn't mean that you're building wealth. I know many people who have only ever made $80,000 that, uh, build massive amounts of wealth. Um, eventually with investments and stuff, they do start pulling in more than that, but uh, you can retire a millionaire and never make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's not what I'm saying, but I do know people who that's like their 50 year old goal or their 60, you know, by the time they're 60 at the, at the peak of their job, they might be pulling in a hundred grand. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it, it's, it's relatively arbitrary, but it is a goal. And by accelerating that, I was able to achieve that. And I will say that there are, uh, there's more than one ways to skin a cat. Um, I was very, very focused on that goal. I made a lot of moves uh, to try to achieve that goal. Um, I I don't know that I ever really burnt too many bridges. Maybe I did, but um, definitely left some jobs pretty quick, gained a lot of experience, hopped around to try to achieve that goal, took the risk. I know I know people who make almost the exact amount as I do that have taken less jumps that have not really even focused on that goal, but focused on the quality of their work, who have um, gone above and beyond for the companies that they work for, made key jumps when they needed to make jumps, but um, not just hopping around, and uh, they've they've got to the same number. So, a thousand ways to skin a cat, but for me, taking those long, you know, far away goals and elevating them, not elevating them, but accelerating them to a level that I think that I can, I can achieve. That's very aggressive has always worked out for me. Same thing with buying a house. Uh, well, I will say that like, I've always, you know, obviously thought I would have to buy a house, but wasn't really on my radar. And then in about three months, I was like, Hey, look, uh, it was, it was like a three month timeline of me deciding to buy a house, got it done and bought in a really good place. Um, same thing with getting married, like it make those goals, uh, much more aggressive than the than the general populace. And Brett and I, Brett kind of used, I, I have a saying, um, I don't know whether I, I got it from somebody else or whether it's mine or not, but uh, Brett kind of used it the other day too. And uh, if you want above average results, you're going to have to do above average things. So that means not taking the, the typical 60-year-old retirement goals and leaving them at 60. That means pushing them up to 30 or 40 and... Uh, and, and seeing how quick you can get there. So 
Yeah, that was really good. Let's see the next guy. Uh, this next comment that I really enjoyed was always buy the best. If you decide you don't like or enjoying it or enjoy it, uh, selling it will be easier. That cheap stuff ends up literally being a waste of money. Uh, there's some nuance to this, but I have found this to be very true. Now, this is coming from somebody who likes to buy things. So, uh, grain of salt. And this this isn't like just life-changing advice, but I, I did like it when I read it because I've never really quite heard somebody agree with me on this. Um, I buy good things. When I do buy things, I really, really try to put my research in, put the research in, put the time in to uh, figure out what is actually a good product and spend money on that. Now, again, there's a caveat here. If you're only going to use something once, I'll go and buy the cheap thing and throw it in the toolbox. You know, <clears throat> I do that with tools occasionally. That's why places like Harbor Freight and Northern Tool exist. Uh, you look up and, oh, no, you need a jigsaw. But, you know, the, the Milwaukee and the and the DeWalt uh, jigsaws are $200. Run down to Harbor Freight, get a $50 jigsaw. You're going to use it once, maybe twice in the next three years. But I also see people who, uh, like, maybe they just don't know what they don't know. And they'll buy something like uh, pans. They'll go and they'll get the Walmart pans. And they need a new set of pans, like, every two years and they constantly buy new sets of pans and then they'll come over to let's say my house and they're like oh wow you have really nice pans like what what are those I tell them and then uh oh well how much did you pay for those well they're you know 500 bucks or something like that oh my gosh i can't believe you would buy that it's like well yes but they are will literally last me a lifetime oh this is happened with boots uh i went and uh i started working you know in a, in a nicer uh the the dress code was a little bit nicer than than the last place I had worked, and so I uh, needed to wear something decent on my feet, and for me that's typically a pair of boots. I don't do the wingtips, I don't do slacks, uh, not me at all. Uh, so I have like some some nice uh, shoes that you know like they're I forget what they're called, kind of like moccasin looking shoes, but um. Anyway, I have uh, I have some nice shoes that I wear up there occasionally. And then just a good pair of boots. I mean, we're in Amarillo, Texas. You're going to wear starched jeans and you're going to try to look nice. Probably need to have a decent pair of boots. Well, my boots were kind of run down and I needed a new pair. So uh, I actually do have kind of a reason. I've got two different size feet. So boots fit me different. Uh, boots always fit me different on, on either set of feet. Like doesn't matter the boot. It can be the same pair of boot. Uh, same pair of boots and like two two just different pairs of boots like same brand same model of boot same size uh, even the differences between the two the slight differences i can tell because of the way that my foot is um it's 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 kind of weird but that means there's a problem with kind of buying commercial boots i can't just go and rip a pair of boots off of the uh off of the shelf and sometimes i can you know like i'll i'll probably end up buying a couple pairs of anderson beans or something like that um, just to, to have around, wear them, you know, once or twice, never truly break them in, just have a different style of boot, a black boot and brown boot and uh, tan, stuff like that, uh, to wear with different, wear with different sets of clothes. Uh, so I'm not just like overly bougie about it, but if I'm going to wear a pair of boots every single day to the office, walking on concrete, needed a good pair of boots. So I went and uh, there's a place down here that makes handmade boots for like $550 a piece. 
and they made them to the two sizes of my different feet. The left size is a, the left one is a different size than the right size. Uh, they, they made them to fit the width of my feet. They are amazing. They have, they are way more durable than what you're going to find in your commercial boot, uh, commercial boots. If you wear them every day, probably going to last you like two years before you need to resole them. Uh, maximum, maybe six months to a year. Honestly, like if you really wear them hard, you go get a pair of like $200, $250 boots, uh, and you really wear them hard and they might last you six, six months to a year. Uh, especially if you're walking on concrete, maybe if you're not out on dirt all the time. Um, but if you're walking on concrete, they're just not going to last you that long. Um, these guys, they will, they will last a very, very long time, at least longer than the other dudes will. So anyway, um, enough about boots, but I bought boots and then somebody at work was like astonished that I would ever spend that much on footwear. Well, for all the reasons that I just explained to you is why I spent good money on footwear. Did I have to? No. Uh, did I get a better deal for my $500 instead of buying, you know, five, six pairs of $200 boots in the time that I'm going to have these? Yes. Uh, so I really like this comment because that has translated to a lot of different things. Uh, knives and guns in particular, you can spend, you know, uh, $400 on a, you can get a decent, uh, carry gun for 400 bucks, or you can go and you can buy a, a really nice $600 carry gun. That's going to shoot well and be way more reliable than your $400 carry gun. It's going to cycle through more ammo. Uh, you're going to have more uh, spare parts, more holster access. It's going to be a better buy for sure. Um, so again, there is nuance, but I truly do believe that if you're going to go spend money, you at the very least, let me put it this way. You need to be aware if you're not uh, getting the best, you need to be very aware of where you're trying to save money and not think that you're buying the best and then uh, be disappointed and end up having to waste money later, uh, replacing them over and over again. So, uh, that's all. I think I've beat that horse to death. Uh, look into look into your stuff. Don't waste your money. Make sure if you know somebody that if you know somebody that knows more about the thing that you that you're about to buy, ask them. I uh, don't know anything about uh, computers hardly, and was gifted my was gifted my computer by somebody that does know a lot of about computers. But uh, before I was gifted my computer, I went to this person and I was like, "Hey, I don't know anything about computers. Can you help me build a decent computer?" Like it's much better than me just going and, and spending money on something that I, I don't know anything about. Um, don't, don't, don't do that because that's just, it's kind of lazy and it's almost a, it's almost an ego thing of like, you know, somebody else knows way more about this than you. Why would you not go ask them? Do you really like, you're just going to make this decision without, you know, talking to your friend that knows more. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, really like at all like I wouldn't I wouldn't go I wouldn't go to a jiu-jitsu gym without asking Brett his opinion um I just wouldn't do that because he knows more than I do I, I don't know um don't waste your money let's see um so this next guy uh this one's really simple but I like it a lot and I'll probably um talk about it quite a bit uh this guy says you're only as good as the guys you run with choose wisely Fact check, true. Uh, as the more that I uh, kind of change and change and grow, to use those uh, new age terms, but the more that I, I kind of change and, and mature and grow, 
the more I see my circle changing, not necessarily, uh, not just the people, you know, coming in and out of my circle, but, uh, the more that I see the guys that, that have stayed in my circle growing and changing around me. And, uh, it's been a huge benefit to have that. I constantly try to seek out people who, uh, will make me better in some way. Uh, I try to seek out people who I can make better in some way. And uh, that those are the people that I choose to keep close to me. Obviously, I have friends that are just a good time. Um, they're 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 a good time, and so we hang out. Uh, obviously, I have friends that um, we're going to be lifelong friends forever. And maybe they they stop benefiting me in some way. I stop benefiting them in some way. That's not what friendship is about. Uh, we're going to be friends. But I truly do think that peak friendship is in some way you either make them better they make you better preferably both so i have a huge problem with people who only make their circle people who can make them better i I have a problem with with guys who their main focus when they want to be friends with you is how can this person help me get better i think that's a very poor way to do friendship um where i think that is balanced is how can i help make somebody else better so it's not just, hey, does this person have access to this? Uh, you know, maybe they maybe they are a cool person and your sense of humor aligns, but it's not just they are so much better than me in this, and so that's who I'm going to have in my close circle. It's hey, um, this person's really cool. They have the same values that I do. Uh, they are better than me in this, and they're going to push me to do better. Uh, maybe they're um, more studied in their Bible, or uh, they've got extremely high levels of discipline. Maybe they are very charismatic and can teach me how to do that. Um, Maybe they are good at saving money and that will help me get better in that way. But uh, there needs to be a consideration of what can I bring to the table for them? And are there ways that I think that I can help uh, lead them in, in some other, in some other direction? Is there an area that may, they may need my help that I can offer? Um, and help make them better. And that's important when you have somebody that may have nothing to offer you. Uh, you still need to be friends with them. You still need to make an effort to to be friends. I know plenty, uh, I say plenty. I mean, there have been people in my life that that maybe they're younger than me, maybe they don't. Um, they're not in any position to really benefit me in any way, at least on the surface of it. And yet I'm like, these guys are cool. They have a sense of humor. Um, they asked me a question about this. They uh, are clearly into the same things that I'm into. Maybe I can take some time, be their friend, and help lead them into uh, being better at whatever it might be. Finding a good job, getting married, having kids, all of these things. Maybe I can help assist them. And eventually over time, what you're going to find is that uh, if you pour into them, they're going to pour into you in some way. Uh, they're going to make you better in some way. I don't think there's any sort of friendship, true friendship that is just uh, you pouring into them or them pouring into you. Eventually you'll find that, I hate the saying, but iron sharpens iron. Uh, I, I absolutely hate that saying, but you'll find that if you're pouring into somebody, at the very least, you learning those leadership skills and you uh, bringing somebody up and helping somebody, giving them a hand up in any sort of way is going to make you better. And eventually, uh, they're going to get there and they're going to be able to give back. So, um, yeah, you're only as good as the guys that you run with, uh, choose wisely. 
Now, you don't want to have somebody, what, notice what I said is you don't want to have somebody that's going to bring you down. There's a, there's a big difference in you helping somebody up and somebody else bringing you down. That's my rule for, for friendship is you're not going to bring me down. Um, if when I hang out with you, it brings me down to a, uh, a dumber level or, um, it, 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 uh, I, I do things like get hammered drunk that I don't want to do when I'm hanging out with you just because I'm hanging out with you. Uh, you peer pressure me into doing this or that. Um, you, you know, degrade me or, uh, for no reason, like we're not just making jokes. You just simply want to make fun of me or my wife or stuff like that. Those are the people that I don't be friends with, no matter how much they can help me or I can help them. Um, so there's a big difference in, uh, you helping somebody up and them bringing you down. Uh, you know, an example is let's say that you've got, uh, this is not a real life example, but I know many people who've uh, it is a real life example, but not anybody personal that I know. But let's say that you've got a drug addict cousin and uh, you want to be their friend. And obviously you can help bring them up. Uh, you can give them a hand. You can give them a place to sleep. You can help them with some cash, uh, help them get out of their situation, find them a job, whatever that may be. Well, that's a noble, that's noble for you to do. Um, that's somebody that, yeah, you should be, you should see if there's any sort of friendship there. See if you can help bring them up. Um, see if you can give them a hand and bring them out of a bad situation. But I've seen this happen many times. Those people sometimes don't want to get better. Uh, they don't want to be your friend. They want to exploit you for what you have. And they're never going to get better, never going to get off the drugs, at least not with your help. Uh, and so all it's going to do is bring you down. They're going to spend your money, tear your house up, um, maybe steal things from you, whatever it might be. And you just don't need to be their friend. You, you just don't. Now, on a much smaller scale, there are other friends like that. There are friends who are going to come over, eat the free food, never offer to pay, uh, never invite you over, never take you out for dinner, uh, never never come and help you out of the house. Um, they're going to be late. They're never going to confirm. Uh, they're going to confirm and then not show up. There are friends who will do these things constantly. Uh, they, they will despite um, they will uh, drink and drive to your function. They will drink and drive away from your function. Uh, they will drink all of your, all of your alcohol. Um, never offer to repay the favor once. Um, those are the kind of people that don't get invited back for me. Um, those are the kind of people that uh, even though I can give them a hand up and hopefully lead them into a better place and all of my other friends can as well, uh, those are the people I just don't have back because all they do is they bring me and my other friends down. Um, you know, if they make your place a less enjoyable, if they make it less enjoyable to be around them, those are the people I just don't have back. You know, every, every once in a while somebody has a bad day and they were a burden at the party. You get a couple free chances, but, uh, if you come to the party and everybody just really doesn't like your presence, you don't get invited back. Um, you're not doing anything. For me, you're actually bringing me and my friends down. That's what we don't tolerate. Um, getting those good guys around you, uh, a lot of the benefit is in is in having somebody to relate to, um, having some people that are going through kind of the same thing that you are, and being able being able to learn from their experiences and and do better. Uh, another thing is just knowing that you're not uh, struggling alone when you have high goals and high aspirations. Um, a lot of times failure 
feels worse. You know, uh, when you have higher expectations for yourself, failure is also a, a larger burden. You know, if, if I've talked about this a, a thousand times, but if your standard is to go to the gym seven days a week, then when you miss three days in that week, it feels like you're an absolute failure. And when all of your friends um, also have the high expectation of going seven days a week, uh, number one, they're going to hold you to that standard. They're going to say you should have gone seven days a week, but also uh, they fail too. And when they fail, they say, man, it's all right. And the best, they encourage you through that. And that's really good because you know somebody that also has high standards um, is telling you that it's okay. It's not your friend that, um, you know, he only goes to the gym three days a week and you've missed three days this week and, and you're really upset about it. It's not him going, man, it's okay. Uh, because that feels like you, you've sunken down to his standard. You know, again, not that a three day a week standard is bad. Don't get upset. Um, you know, to each his own. But if your standard is seven days a week, and the guys whose standard is three days a week tells you, oh, it's okay that you missed four days, you know, three days this week. Uh, it feels like you just sunk down to his standard, uh, for me anyway. And then eventually, you're like, well, maybe three days a week is actually okay. But no, I surround myself with people who their standard is seven days a week. And that's good because it keeps my standard high. But also when they say, man, it's only three days, get back on the horse, uh, that makes me feel a lot better um, and a lot less like a failure when I do fail. <laughs> it's it's very, very, it's very, very nice when I have somebody who uh, is very invested in uh, following some sort of moral law or moral order. Maybe they don't lie. Um, you know, I think of somebody like Cade Carter. Uh, it, I don't ever want to see Cade Carter fail, but when Cade Carter fails and he tells me about it uh, and he can say, yeah, man. Uh, that failure that you had, I had that failure too, you know, um, did, did this, uh, you know, lied or got really angry uh, with my wife or, or whatever it might be. Um, whatever it might be when he says, yeah, man, I failed too. It's okay. We're going to get back on the horse next week. That makes me feel a whole lot more uh, secure in my standard and uh, makes me not feel quite as bad. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. It's more encouraging to get back on the horse because somebody else is somebody else that actually holds that standard that you're trying to hold uh, with you is is getting back on the horse. And that's always been a benefit for me. Uh, the other thing is just to push you. I mean, I, I truly believe that having friends around you that will push hard for your goals um, and not give up on that uh, makes makes you better. If you have friends who are always, yeah, like, they just go with the flow and they don't really have these aspirations that we've talked about in this episode. They're not taking those 60 year old goals and, and accelerating them. Uh, they just want to be average. Well, that's who you're going to be because you have nobody else pushing you to look beyond that. Um, think of my, a couple of different buddies. I mean, Brett, Ethan, Jonah, I can, I can rattle a lot of them off. Scott, when, when we look around and when I look around and, uh, I say, Look at what these guys are doing. They're taking their goals, they're pushing them forward, and they're getting after it. Um, that makes me want to do that. And when I lay off of that, when I come to them and I'm like, man, you know what? I just don't know that having my own business is something I want to do anymore. Hopefully, every one of those guys is going to say, what? What do you mean? Not true. No, you get after it. 
um, you get up there, you, you dust off, um, get over that money you lost or whatever it might be, uh, and you get back after your goals because they also have those goals, and we spend time talking about it. We spend time talking about the things that we're going to do. And so uh, whenever I do fall short of my standard or I try to modify my expectations uh, and lower them, having those guys around me that are, that are reaching as far as I'm reaching uh, makes the difference in, in those times to where I, I want to uh, quit or let off the gas. And uh, it goes the other way too. When I see somebody who uh, I think they're not fulfilling their full potential, um, it makes me work all that, all that much more hard. It makes me work way harder uh, to try to be the example of fulfilling that potential. When I see somebody who I think who could be self-employed and be a millionaire by the time that they're 40, at least, you know, multi-millionaire by the time that they're 40. Um, when I see somebody like that and I see them not pursuing that goal, it makes me want to pursue that goal uh, because I, I just want to show them that it can be done. And if they're not going to do it, that means, number one, if they're not going to do it, even though they're my friend, that's one less person uh, in competition. <laughs> so um, that's one less person that I have to compete with. Not that I would ever compete with my friends, but it's just one less person doing it, which means that I can go and do it. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, you know, maybe they think that they can't do it. So I'm just going to go show them that they can. And I'm going to talk with them about it all the time. I'm going to push them. I'm going to say, hey, uh, you know, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing this? Man, I, I really think that you can do this. Uh, I tell uh, one of my buddies all the time, I tell him, you're literally the smartest person I know. You are you are the smartest person I know. Uh, if this person over here, and I'll mention somebody that they also know that's got their own business, um, you know, some common point of interest that uh, has made a success, I'll say, if this person can do it, you're the smartest person I know. I know that you can do it. I know that you can go out and get that, and I'll push them. And I've seen it work. I've seen it help. Uh, and that's solely because of the uh, the ways that I've been pushed and the guys that I have in my circle. So uh, good advice. You're only as good as the guys you run with. Choose wisely. Let's see. Last one. Uh, this guy says, uh, Mary Young, don't go to college. Find a trade you love that can be built into a business. Buy land. Invest in your local community. And don't travel for work for 10 years, giving up the best years of your life to make someone else rich. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Uh, there's a lot of different advice in there. But, you know, first one, marry young. We've talked a lot about that on the One Flesh podcast. I'm not going to dive into that. Uh, all the reasons that you should marry marry young. Uh, don't go to college. Actually, I didn't even really think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can or can't go to college. I think the sentiment there is that you don't have to go to college. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, find a trade that you love that can be built into a business. Uh, yes. So I will caveat uh, some trades require colleges. Uh, now, it depends on your definition of trade. But uh, if you want to be an engineer, then go get your engineering degree and build it into a business. There's no difference in uh, going and getting a welding degree or going to learn how to weld and welding and building a business versus going to be an engineer and building an engineering business. There's really not much of a difference other than the way that you had to get there. Uh, you had to get a degree to be an engineer. Um, basically, I think what he's saying here is don't go to college just to go to college. Uh, find a trade that you love that can be built into a business. Yes, <laughs> especially in this day and age. Uh, let me put it this way. If you're going to spend, you can start a solid business in the trades with $50,000. 
uh, let's say that you want to um, mow lawns for a living. I have seen people turn lawn businesses uh, into giant commercial operations that don't just do lawns. They do construction projects. They do dirt work. They do concrete. Um, they do uh, large-scale landscaping. They, they're not just mowing lawns. They're mowing the lawns of schools and of churches and of city buildings and all of those things, uh, making massive amounts of money, uh, turning that money, going into real estate, uh, investing that money into other places. Um, I have seen people that do that, and uh, they have started with less than 50 grand. But my point is, you're going to have to work and pay for that college in some way. You're going to have to go and you're going to have to pay for that college. If somebody else is paying for it, great. But uh, whether it's a student loan, whether it's in the moment, whether you work and pay for it at the same time, you're going to have to work and pay for that school. Um, that school is going to cost you a certain amount of money. If you throw $50,000 and start your lawn business with fifty grand, you will be able to be successful. <laughs> There's no lawn business that has started for less than 50 grand that was run correctly and hasn't been successful. Like, I don't think that's true. It's not like 50,000. Let me put it this way. There, I'm sure there are plenty of lawn businesses that have failed that have spent more than 50 grand. What I'm saying here is that it is plenty to start a business and to grow it. If I had $50,000 right now, that would be insane for the businesses that I could start um, or, you know, put into my own or put into the podcast. If I had 50 grand to put into this podcast, uh, who knows what it could be. And so uh, don't just get so dead set on on doing something because you don't know what to do. Uh, that $50,000 you can take and have a skill and do it correctly and run a good business and uh, and be extremely profitable off of that. It's not to say that college is bad. If you can, if you can present to me a plan that is going to get you in the place that you want to be uh, with a college degree, do that. I've, again, I, I have, I have done that, went and got a college degree. Uh, I consider myself fairly successful, uh, in terms of, of world perception. I have a good job, got a house, yada, yada, yada. I have done the college route. I'm not saying don't go to college. I know plenty of guys who have gone and gotten engineering degrees who are doing very well. Um, I also know plenty of people who wasted $50,000, um, just to go and get an average job, still not be fulfilled. Um, and they're probably going to end up either a going back to school or, you know, I I've seen people who have done that and who end up not doing anything. They're still successful. They still have that drive for success. Um, but they're not doing anything at all in reference to their, to their college degree. Um, now, did they learn from their college degree? Sure. You know, I think about a guy, um, I want to have him on the podcast eventually, but, uh, his name's Colby and, uh, he learned how to, uh, number one, he learned a lot in his college. I know he did. Uh, he and I met in college. Um, he had a lot of different jobs throughout college. He, he made a lot of connections throughout college. I'm sure he learned things in his classes that benefit him. But the dude owns a concrete business and uh, he's doing really well. He's really, I mean, he seems really successful from the outside looking in and the conversations that we've had. Um, I can tell you right now, I know people who are doing the things that he's doing who never went into college uh, and, and are doing very well at it. So did college benefit him? I'm sure it did in some ways. Uh, could he have gone and done the same things without being in college? Maybe. I don't know. 
Um, I, I don't know, but I know people who have done it. And, uh, and I would like to ask Colby that question eventually. Like, do you think you needed to go to college? He may tell you yes. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who would say no. I know guys who uh, went to college, the friendships that they made were extremely valuable, but now they're back on the family business, uh, doing the family business, and they're going to be successful. Uh, what could they have done in the family business with that money that they spent on college? We don't know. Uh, it's not very useful to look back, but if you're a young kid listening to this, looking forward, uh, be careful. Be very careful in the way that you spend your money, uh, and don't don't uh, shortchange an opportunity um, to build a business uh, by saving money uh, instead of spending it on college. Um, so there's still more. Uh, invest in your local community and don't travel for work uh, for 10 years, giving up the best years of your life to make someone rich, make someone else rich. Yes and no. Um, again, I mean, I just preached to you all uh, the importance of going and and you can do a trade and make a lot of money. Uh, you can make a lot of money really quick by traveling. I'm not, I don't know whether it's a good thing. I don't know whether it's a bad thing. It kind of depends. I know guys who uh, were 18, they went and started doing uh, X, let's say X-raying uh, for uh, pipe inspection. So I think, I think the way this goes, I've never actually seen it done, but you get in a truck and then you travel all around Texas or the United States and you go out to, uh, where a pipeline is being built and you x-ray the welds to see if there's cracks. And there's a ton of people that do that or uh, geological testing where they'll go out and they'll do uh, geological studies for uh, wells and they make a lot of money doing that or welding. I know guys who have gone and gotten their welding degrees. Welding takes a little bit longer to actually get really good at it and to, um, to go and I think make just a whole lot of money at it. Uh, It takes a little bit longer, but I know guys who have done it and, They've stacked up their money. They lived in a hand-me-down camper. Uh, they didn't spend all their money at you know the strip clubs and buying guns every time they got paid. They uh, they really did it as a means to an end. Uh, spent three years, four years traveling, made you know bukus and bukus of money, three four hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank. Uh, they come back at the age of you know ripe old age of twenty two, twenty three, and then they start to build their life. Uh, knew a guy the the guy that actually made our wedding rings. Uh, that's what he did. Is he went out. Uh, and got the seed money for a local welding business. Uh, it's really it's really hard to do that. Like it's hard to establish a local uh, sit down business of like having a shop, having a welder, having all your equipment, um, doing that on a piece of land, uh, and and breaking into a community uh, and and providing services for that community in any in any form, uh, whether it be lawn or welding or whatever it might be. Uh, well. Uh, it's not as hard to do that to travel because not as many people want to travel. So he went and traveled and got all of that seed money, uh, that you know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, uh, to to start up his business. And then he had it. He had his thing going. Now he didn't have to travel. So uh, this guy says, "Don't travel for work for ten years." Correct. Uh, if you need to go travel, go travel. Um, go travel. If if you need to go travel. If you don't have a wife, I, that's the other caveat. Um, if you want a wife and you want to have a wife quick, uh, be careful. Um, be careful because that is not always conducive for success. Uh, leaving a 19, 20-year-old woman at home um, and traveling when they want to be spending all of their time with you is not always the best thing to do. There was somebody, I don't remember who it was, uh, 
not really worth naming them, but uh, they were traveling all over the place. And uh, their wife, like they were making enough money that their wife just traveled with them. And they were a relatively young couple. I don't remember, that's going to haunt me that I don't remember who that was. But uh, they were, you know, moving camper to camper, you know, hotel to hotel, whatever it might be, uh, traveling around for their job. And uh, their wife just went with them. And if you can make that work, make it work. I mean, man, I don't remember who this was. And I wish I did. But they seemed relatively happy about their situation. Uh, They seemed like they were okay with that and that it worked out well for them. Um, I don't know why I don't remember who that was. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, caveat, but I have seen it go very bad where people take and, uh, start a family young, uh, especially from like small towns. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from small towns and I know people who have started a family young, uh, got a wife and a kid and then had to go travel for 10, 12 years in the oil field, never quit traveling, <laughs> uh, never actually quit traveling. And so, um, they would, they would go out and, uh, leave everybody behind for three weeks out of the month or, uh, you know, leave everybody behind for a month and then be back or at the very, even traveling, you know, during the week being gone Monday to Friday is very, very tough on a family. So, uh, I do like that. I do like that advice. Don't travel at default. Don't travel, spend more time with your family, spend more time in one place, grow roots in that place, grow a network. Uh, but if you got to travel, go travel. So guys, I think that's all I've got for you today. We're right at about an hour. Uh, go look at this post on, on Clint Walker's, uh, Instagram. There was a lot of good advice on there. Uh, again, his name is, uh, the underscore Clint underscore Walker. Uh, the post is, let's see, uh, men who are over 30, give one piece of advice to men who are in their twenties. It can be about anything. So go look at that, go scroll through the comments, uh, see what you like, see what you don't like, and, uh, prepare for more guests on the purpose podcast. Uh, I promise that we will make it happen. So. All right, guys. See you. Thanks.